You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Jess Biondo. And I'm Tia McNelly. And today we are thrilled to have Megan Fate Marshman on the show with us. She is a teaching pastor at Willow Creek. She is a wife and a mom. She's also a pastor at her local church. And she does a lot of things besides writing books, which is a really exciting new project that we're we're super pumped to talk to you about today. Her new book, Meant for Good, is out. You guys have to get it and read it. And we're so excited to have you, Megan. Welcome. Oh, it's so good to be with you both. To get started today, Tia mentioned a kind of list of accolades, but (laughs) will you give us a little bit of background on how you ended up where you are today and how you discovered your purpose? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go back a long ways and it probably won't even get all the way to today, but I'll say it's been the through line of how I've attempted to live with purpose from that day till now. And it was this, I, um, I, okay. So I went to grad school and my very first grad school class, I went straight out of college into grad school. And I remember the professor specifically asked the question that everyone hated at that time, which was, what do you want to do with your life? And it was kicking off the master's program. And I was always almost disappointed in like taking that class because I'm like, oh, just another one in addition to my aunt, you know, that asks that. (laughs) And, (laughs) And then he said, and if you're feeling burdened by that question... I think we can find a new way by the end of this class to discover how to answer. And I was like, oh, I'm in. And everybody yes. you know, is really excited about it, especially all of us 20-somethings, all the 40-somethings. I feel like the class is either 20-somethings fresh out of college or 40-somethings who are going to read the books before class started and really appreciate each day of the learning. Okay, right. So, <laughs> right. But that day, what he did is he said, okay, I want you to write out three stories. And it was a three-hour-long class. And we spent all three hours doing this project. He said, write out three success stories which immediately made me go, ooh, how do I even define success? Because if I defined it like Mm. the world, I would write down different stories. But I chose to go, in my own mind, I decided my definition of success would be knowing that I was where I was, acting on behalf of the Lord, uniquely how he created me. Oh, say it again, say it again. I like that. I don't think I could say it the same way, but it was something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like a phrase I like say. It's just that I remember, basically, I'll I'll, I'll say it again in a completely different way, which is... Where, where I was present, and it was for God's glory, not my own, but I was, God uniquely used me. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and, he, and I wrote a, and I wrote three kind of unique stories. I put a really small, insignificant one-on-one story that felt significant from middle school. And then I wrote a medium-sized one. And then I wrote a big one that probably everyone would define as success. And then he had us spend the next hour writing the stories. Like, take your time. Wow. Write the stories. Remember the stories. And so we all write them aloud. And we don't know where this is going. He did. And he says, okay, now pull out. I want you to go through each story. And you can tell someone. And then I want you to pull out character attributes. Like, how did God uniquely wire you to interact with people that made that story successful? So I love this exercise. Wow. I know. You're, I was just say you're welcome, but it wasn't mine. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so then we had to circle if we had similar words in all of them. And there was only one word that was in all three for me. Uh-huh. And I found that that was true for a lot of people in the class. And the word for me was empower. And I realized, oh. And the cool thing is some people's words, the word help. 
Mm-hmm. Some people was inspired. Some people was collected. Oh, hey! <laughs> uh, but I distinctly remember walking away and going, oh, I don't have to wait for a job title to live my purpose. And if I had, I probably would have made my purpose my job title. So even in the question of you asking, like, where am I at? And how do I get to where I'm at today? I'll say all the job titles don't make a ton of sense. And even the jumping around at times, I do things that make sense on like a getting more influence type of scale. And then there's other jobs I have that don't make a ton of sense, but God really wanted me to be in the background a little bit more. He wanted me to serve someone else's vision for a season, even though the trajectory of my career path could have taken me to bigger stages and larger audiences, God kept bringing me back. And then at the right time, I feel like he just allowed my character to grow Mm. alongside my my impact, which would thank God, because if I was thrown in some places that I thought I wanted and even prayed toward, um, my character probably couldn't have withstood some of the pressures that I would have felt on some of those platforms. So oh, yeah. how I got to where I am is making uh, myself aware that I don't have to wait to live my purpose, that he's given it to us. And what, what was kind of fun was now looking back on that, which I haven't thought about that exercise in probably years, <clears throat> is each of those are words, maybe not like the, the scripture says, like, I can't think of a scripture right now that says the word empower, but what empowering is, is exactly what God's called us to do. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what to help someone. Now, mind you, we all landed with these unique words that helped us describe or put into practice how we can live our purpose now and today. But here's the best part. I can live my purpose at my home by empowering my little boys. Mm-hmm. I can live it at the grocery store by looking the lady in the eye as she's checking everyone out and avoiding eye contact. And I can live it on a stage and I can live it while standing on a stage in front of thousands. And mm-hmm. hopefully if I'm not being faithful in all of those, then the stage really is the least place I should be. Yeah. And you know, that reminds me of a really tough, you know, sometimes the Lord takes you aside and kind of gives you a little talking to. And I had a really tough moment like that, similar to where you, you said that he grew your character alongside your purpose and your impact. And um, I feel like he kind of sat me down and said, sweetheart, if you don't handle your crap right now, <laughs> you're going to end up having to handle it in front of the whole world. Not the mm-hmm. whole world, meaning like you're going to be a superstar, but like you're going to have to handle it publicly if you don't yeah. take care of your business. And so I felt like there was so much... I mean, it was like a, 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 a stern parent, but so gentle and mm-hmm. so helpful for him to say, let's grow your character. Let's not get ahead of yourself in your purpose. So I definitely identify with that. Yeah. Well, so how did you, how did you come across your message in Meant for Good? Mm. That one was a funny one. Uh, <laughs> I made a joke not trying to make a joke and the journey of that book began. So Mm. we, I was (laughs) hosting a retreat in front of a couple hundred women and they sang that one worship song, the one that goes, all your promises are yes and amen. (laughs) So they sang it and I was hosting and I was going to go up right after the song. I got up and I was like, gosh, I really love that song. The only thing I wish the song added, if I were to have written it, I would have added an additional verse that said, and your promises are, and then started to fill them in, you know, like, cause I don't just yeah. want to know that they are. Yes. And amen. I want to know what the promises are. So I walk on the stage and I'm like, ladies, like his promises. And everyone's like, yes, and amen. it was just this powerful moment. Like God's moving. And then I was like, and what is, what are his promises? I started listing a few of them, the whatever came to my brain, like the one in James where he's like, you need wisdom. Good. Ask for it. Mm-hmm. Ask for it. 
Are you in struggling and you need wisdom? That's the context of that one. Ask for it. And he's going to give it generously. It's like, what? That's a promise. Yeah. Or how about the one? And I turn, I'm like, how about the one, you know, Jeremiah 29 and the whole audience like says 11. I said, 13. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said, oh no, I really hope you're not thinking 2911 is a promise. Because mm. that's not the promise. The promise is not 2911, God speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, speaking to the people back then, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. That's not the promise. The, that was a specific word for specific people. And while there's timeless truths about God's character and what he does are true and consistent, that's not the promise. Yeah. And it took me on a journey. And that's how the book began was to say, how are we holding on to Jeremiah 29? And where is the promise? So I won't keep you on, I won't keep you, keep you waiting on the edge of your seat. 2913 says this. It's very simple. But for me, it's been very profound. And it's this, God speaking again, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So here, so and think of it, although a lot of people know that. Now take it into the context of your dinner. Your, let's do your quiet time. Um, if you seek inspiration, that's not the promise. Mm. If you seek motivation, if you seek um, peace even, not the promise. The right. promise is if you seek to find God, you won't be disappointed. Right. And I think too many of us are coming into churches or quiet times or conversations with our friends or even our spouses or relationships, and we're expecting God to do something specific mm-hmm. because we think it's a promise. Maybe we don't put that all together, but we act like we do. Uh, yet God gives us a new way to look at relationships, a new yeah. way to even ready for it, drive on the freeway, <laughs> a new way to, I mean, it, it impacts every part of your life when you understand his promises and take hold of them. So the book really is about understanding, okay, what are the timeless truths from 2911? And then the three verses that follow, God invites his people then. And how God invites people then is how God is inviting us today too. And here's the word of the book really is trust. To not just know that we should trust God, but to be able to define what trust looks like in our own lives. Mm. Wow. That is amazing. And it's so interesting to me that, I mean, it never fails that our guests have something timely for us personally. Never fails. Um, We were, I I was looking through some of the the notes that we took on your book and you were talking about this concept of security. And just this last week, the Lord was saying, if you want security in me, that's going to require trust. Like if you want to find yourself secure in me, then you have mm-hmm. to trust that I am who I say I am and that that's, not, that's never failing. You have to yeah. believe that and trust that. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about this concept of trust and how that plays out then. Yeah. Trust looks like action. It's a belief in mm. God plus the action to, to prove it. It's like the, if you've ever heard the metaphor of this, the chair, I can believe that that chair would hold my weight. Mm. But it's not until I'm actually sitting or the that one tightrope walker. I don't say this in the book by any means, but you know the story of the tightrope walker who's someone, you know, he's walking across the tightrope and then there's a, the moment where, you know, someone's like, do you believe that I can do this wheelbarrow on the tightrope walker? And the guy's like, I believe. And then it's like, do you trust me enough? I trust you. Good, get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Never mind. You know? <laughs> I think that's the invitation from God. And then the best part is his scripture tells us what it looks like to get in the wheelbarrow. Mm -hmm. It it tells us what it looks like. Verse 12, then you will call upon me. This is God speaking. Mm -hmm. And by the way, call upon me is a direct contrast to calling upon yourself. 
Yeah. Okay. Here's sure. what came in. I was talking with a friend this morning and we were talking about what do you do when you have friends that feel like they need you more than they need Jesus, but they know that they're going to mm. need you because you're going to pull them to Jesus. What do you do in that tension? And this is the conversation my friend and I had this morning and we were talking about it and we were saying like, oh, so our job is to bring them to Jesus for themselves so they can believe it for themselves, not make them more dependent upon me because they're learning to trust me and my relationship. Or, right. you know, you, you, we have so many 20-somethings that have ditched church because they believe that their faith was completely dependent upon their parents' relationship. And I think it was Louise Palau who said, God mm-hmm. has no spiritual grandchildren, <laughs> just children, you know? And right. it's like God going, I want to invite you to trust me, not you to trust your pastor's relationship with me. Right. Not you yeah. to trust that podcaster's relationship with me. I'm inviting you into something really deep and really personal. And this is that moment where every podcast listener, I hope, is listening in and going, yeah, 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 good, good. Yeah, yeah, okay, relationship with God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what else? Ooh, give me something that I'm going to be wowed by. And I'm going to say, here's what you really need, a relationship, intimacy. Mm-hmm. Right now, turn off the podcast. Turn right. off the podcast yes. and wait. And yep. then wait on the Lord. Yeah. There's so many steps that God gives that we agree with, but we forget to mm. take the active step of getting into the wheelbarrow. And mm. the best part is God gives us specific steps of what that looks like. Call upon Him. Come and pray to Him. And then He tells us yeah. why. God's speaking, verse 12. I'm going to listen to you. Mm. And I feel like we're in a world where everyone wants to be heard and not a lot of people are listening. And yet God tells us His character is, I'm listening. I Jeez. love it. Oh, man. And it's incredible to think that he's truly waiting, even waiting to hear from us as much as we're waiting to hear from him. He delights mm, in our coming you, to yes. him. I love that. So talk to me some then about how this trust is kind of the antithesis to our anxieties in our daily lives. And what does that look like yeah. with regard to the scripture? I'm going to get practical with this one because I think that I can talk philosophy and hang out in 30,000 and we can all be inspired, but specifically trust and anxiety. Um, I'm currently studying Daniel chapter three. Okay. Daniel chapter three is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the fiery furnace, that whole thing? Yep. Oh yeah. Um, I was in a play in church. Say it again. I was Daniel in a play about that story you when I was like nine years old. I didn't choose one of the boys, huh? That's all right. Nope. That's good. That's good. I progressive, love it. I guess. I love it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet it was I bet it was awesome. It's like the female Peter Pan. That's powerful. I even got to wear like a sequin ball cap. So My mom's cool. probably gonna listen to this and be like, I remember making that sequin she ball cap. She made it. Tell me it oh, had yeah. a sequins cross. Did it have a sequins cross on the No building? crosses. Hey, no, no. Mom. But mine was gold. And Shadrach, Congrats. Meshach, and Abednego's were silver, I think. Congrats. Girl, thanks. I Welcome. felt like that was pretty special. <gasps> Anyhow, back Anyhow, to the sorry, where note. are we? Where are we? Oh, yeah, okay. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so they're about to go in the fiery furnace. Can you imagine a more anxious, oh, anxious place? Mm-hmm, right. I can't. Okay, so let's get practical with this. Their words to the king in that moment, and I'll, I'll summarize it, is basically this Our God is able to save us from this. And I think everyone would agree. Our God is able to pluck us out of the hardship we're facing. He's able to do anything. In fact, I, I do also, if you, we have time a little later, I want to tell you a crazy story that happened this week with my son who believed God was able to do something I thought was impossible. We but, will have time. Yes. He um, <laughs> said, our God is able. And then he said two words. Actually, it's three. But 
even if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. it's great scripture because it's basically a, a word of faith instead of a word of fear. And here's where I think a lot of us, if, especially if anxiety is a struggle, here's the two words I hear out of their mouth is not even if, it's what if. So if you've begun to visualize a future of what if things never get back to normal? What if my kid doesn't get to go back to school in the spring? What if, I mean, if you played these games, yeah. it will. So what if will breed fear every time? And if I can give you some practical words, when you catch yourself saying, what if, to switch it to faith-filled words, because that's an act of trust, which looks like this, even if. Yeah, the simple shift. And the best part about this story is they're not just rescued from the fire. You'd almost assume that they have this faith-filled moment and God's like, you're right, you don't have to go in. But guess what? They still went in. Mm-hmm. And then yep. God even joined them in it. Such a powerful mm-hmm. story. He's going, I'm, I'm not just going to show you what faith looks like. I'm also going to show you sometimes how the refining process works. Because the truth is, I think we all want the fruit of what happens when we are refined. We just don't like the refinement process. Yeah, because it hurts. Like Jesus. Yeah, of course. And it's scary like Jesus, sometimes. But who yeah. wants to carry a cross? I can't think of a comfortable way to carry a cross. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've like ch- carried the church cross from like one room to the next, and it's not comfortable. <laughs> Yet I think it's what we think is a promise, is that God, life with God is yeah. going to be easier, more comfortable. Or even, here's another one, here's another one. Full of peace. Have you ever heard mm. this from a Christian's mouth? I'm just waiting till God gives me peace about this decision. Yet, if we're supposed to look more like Jesus, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was not peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yet he was being obedient. So peace and obedience do not always coincide. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. That is so good. And so very true. Wow. Super true. God's word is pretty cool when we sit in it. Yeah, it is. And we sit in it. And then we don't give our best creative space mm. um, elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. So telling that story reminds me, I think I've said this on the show before, I will never forget this moment in, in Beth Moore's Daniel study. Did you ever do no. that study? Tell me, no. oh, Dave, tell me about chapter three specifically. It was my first one. Oh gosh, I did it. I mean, I must've done it 15 years ago. I don't, I don't remember. But I remember that she said that with the even if, yeah. that he will deliver you. He'll either deliver you from it, through it, or into his arms. And all of those equal deliverance, mm. right? Uh, Write that down. Thank you, I, Beth. Look at Thank you, Beth. <laughs> no, seriously, He'll Beth. either deliver you through or from it, through it, or into his arms. Wow. And another, another little point from that story that she said, is she was talking about telling our own stories and how, you know, when, when Daniel came out of the furnace and he told the story of what happened, he didn't smell like smoke. And that has always stuck with me that like we can tell about the trials that we've walked through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're like me, you've walked through some pretty hairy, mm-hmm. nasty, you know, stories that, that you don't want to tell in front of your children kind of stuff, yeah. but you don't have to smell like smoke still, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you can carry the fragrance of Christ away from your trials. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of that, Daniel. Three. Notes. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Thank you, Beth. Beth and Beth Tina Moore are remembering fifteen years later. Yeah, yeah, man. How lady, old are you? I'm just kidding. I'm forty. <laughs> she's <laughs> way older than she looks. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. You're welcome. I love that question. Well, that's a gift. <laughs> it's light. It's all light. <laughs> so, okay. Um, 
let's go back to let's finish out because we've got we've gotten to Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13 so far, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go to 14. Yeah, 14 just talks about what he's going to do for those people specifically, but it's always about gathering people together. And and he says it again, I will be found by you. In fact, if I were to jump to the other key scripture, I'd probably hit on um, from the book would be how the book got its title, which is, okay, so Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God, God goes, I know the plans. And he doesn't say, and I'm planning on telling them to you. That's too <laughs> right? bad because I kind of wish he did. And no wonder we find ourselves so anxious if we spend our time trying to figure out the plans instead of mm. being content with whatever the plans are. And then trusting. See, while we may not know what the plans are, Romans eight twenty eight, another famous one, tells us that we can know that in all things, God works for the good, right? It's a great scripture. And some people go, yes and amen. And it's... <laughs> easy to find all the silver lining and some people are those people and some people are not those people. And if you're not those people, keep reading because Romans eight twenty nine describes good in a very different way than we would when mm-hmm. he says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, mm-hmm. the good plan. And that's where the book got his title, Meant for Good. The, you can know that God's plans are meant for good, but God's definition of good is different than ours, while ours might be comfortable, easy, Mm. successful in the world's eyes. God's definition is to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. So, of course— Which, again, not comfortable always. Not comfortable. So, of course, it might look like— He, and I imagine, or here's a weird word. I don't know why this is coming to my brain, but I'm just going to trust that someone needs to hear it. Dallas Willard, who studied Jesus's life. I think I love listening to Dallas Willard. In an interview, they were asking him like, so if you had to describe Jesus in one word, what would it be? And in typical Dallas Willard fashion, he didn't answer quickly. He just kind of sat back and then said, relaxed. Chill. And I thought, Wow. So I wonder if one thing might God might even be using through COVID-19 might be to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. And I have a feeling our culture needs to be a little more relaxed. Now it feels chaotic, yeah, of course, but I wonder if what God might be doing in you. So I'd want each listener really to think about this question. It's the question I think about often. So whatever thing comes to mind. So when we read Romans 8, 28, it's like, God works all things. What thing comes to your mind first? So take a second and think about it, any listener. And then ask this with God's spirit right by your side and get ready to wait upon the Lord because strength will rise as we wait, wait upon the Lord. Lord. I wish it was just strength will rise with the Lord. <laughs> it doesn't. It asks as we wait. So we should wait together. Here's the question. Considering the thing that you're going through, how might God be wanting to use that very thing to form you more into the likeness of Jesus? Whew. Mm. Yeah. He'll use it. Mm-hmm. And he, that's another promise we can count on. For sure. I want to hear what your son trusted the Lord for. Mm. Okay. There's some <laughs> conviction in this story. So well, Good. It, starts, it starts a little sad. Uh, our car was broken into, into our front yard mm. and weirdly thousands of dollars worth of my books, DVD, curriculum, study guide was in there, <sighs> of course. And we were going to go deliver it to this church and just a bummer. Like I, we didn't have enough to like refill it. I mean, it was all these things. Okay. So it's hassle. And then they took like garage door opener. Like it just keep, kept getting worse and worse and worse where it's like scary. And yeah, uh, my husband's wallet, his nursing ID badges. So like all this stuff for work. So they had to like figure out all that stuff at the hospital. My, it just got worse and worse. Okay. So that happens. 
bummed, obviously. Days later, the sermon through my church was the Beatitudes, and one of them stood out. And we had a challenge at the end, which was take one of the Beatitudes and then ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to apply it. And the one that stood out right away was blessed are the merciful. Because mm-hmm. the way the pastor described it was, he said, merciful, if you want to become more merciful, the way to do it is to see your sin against God as worse than anyone else's sin against you. Mm. And I went, yeah, All right. So repentance became the theme of that day for me. And then I started it. And then out of that, I started naturally, when I started seeing my own sin, the weight of it and how ugly and selfish and how good I am at hiding it. And, and then I started praying through that. And then I started naturally just praying for the guy. We had a camera on him. So I mean, we, I started praying for the guy and I'm praying for him, praying. But then I realized six months prior, I started praying for my son, my four-year-old son for faith. And I was specifically praying that God would give him the gift of faith. And so I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to bring him in on this. So I sit him down. I'm like having this little moment. You know, when you have these like really thoughtful, intentional moments and the kid just not quite there and he just like was finished, you know, scootering <laughs> outside. And he's like, what? It was one of those. And so here we are sitting. I'm like, this is so good. And I'm telling him what merciful means and sin. And I'm like really sitting there with this intentional moment. He's like, okay. And I'm like, so we're going to pray in faith. And I'm like, I'm going to pray. And I start telling him my prayers for the guys for salvation and God's going to use it. And he's going to read one of the books. And you know, yeah. we're like, we're like going off. And I'm like, what do you want to pray? What big prayer do you want to pray in faith? And my little guy's like, well, that we'd get our stuff back. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's not about stuff, buddy. It's more about the person. Like, I'm like, yeah. And so I'm like, you know, half-heartedly, he goes, so can I not pray for the stuff? You know, I'm like that, you know, yes. so half-heartedly. I'm like, how do you describe that to a four-year-old? Like, I'm sorry. He's probably not going to feel bad and bring the stuff back. Right. So I'm like, that's eh, fine. So we, I pray my prayer, like almost in tears. And then he prays his prayer for the stuff to get brought back. Oh, and I just am so half-hearted in the pursuit. And then two days later, there's a knock at the door. No way. Yes way. <laughs> Police officer bringing half our stuff back. Oh my gosh. What? And we had not filled out a police report because we just figured it's a little wow. too chaotic. And I look at my little boy with like wide eye, like, you, I, I'm just, and I'm, so I'm seeing how God answered my prayer for, from six months ago, which by the way, gives me an encouragement. And if I can give you any encouragement, remember your prayers, because then mm-hmm. you'll see God all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forget it with mm-hmm. So I'm just like praising totally. God for like his prayers. I'm texting my little friend group. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you this story. I talked about my half-hearted prayer. And then the girl, my girlfriend writes back, I wonder if he only brought back half of the stuff because you were so half-hearted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I think he was. And I'm convinced of it. I'm actually convinced of it and I'm okay with it. And I'm like, a lesson in faith is the best gift he could give. And then I'm watching me and my son now begin to pray for everything. And I mean, it even gets, it just keeps on going. Because then my husband uh, ends up uh, calling the police department and then asking for the highest up person to give this radical compliment for the police officer who did not need to go out of his way to find an address. Like the whole, he's like most police, I mean, like people are busy doing their jobs. Yeah, yeah. Police officers are having a challenging time right now in general, let alone like taking the time to do all this. So my husband like calls the head of the head of the head of the head. Days later, my husband gets this really nice written letter from someone very high up. I mean, it's just like, so everyone's getting blessed upon blessed upon blessed, but it started. This is the key for me. It started by saying, I don't just want to hear God's word. I want to be transformed by it. Mm -hmm. So I always want, I can tell the good story, but what I don't want is people to have the type of expectation that they're just going to get a good story because then they're seeking to find a good story and not seeking to find God. The truth for me was found in wanting to know 
God, who are you? And how, what are you trying to speak to us collectively in the world? And our entire church happened to be hearing the same exact passages, but taking the time to strength will rise as we wait, <laughs> wait upon the Lord with a scripture in mind <laughs> and then allow it to do what his word can do in us, then through us. It's a powerful story, but it begins with very small obedience. And I think we're all waiting for the big stories, but it requires small obediences. Yeah, no doubt. And you can put that in your faith bank behind you. <laughs> so years ago, so I used to work for a publishing house and we did curriculum lines for different types of ministries. And one of them was a, I'm, a, I'm it's going to roll off the tongue because it's kind of crazy, but we always did um, gospel-centered, family-empowered, the word empower came in there, family-empowered, oh, yeah. spirit-led student ministry curriculum line. And in it, we used to do this. We used to give like these creative response stations to remember what God has done that, you know, Acts 29. So there's no 29th book of the book of Acts. But Acts 29 is what God's doing in our lives. And so we had these things we would put in our the churches called the faith bank where it's like, hey, are you low on faith? Let's just remember what God has done because we have his word. But we also have our lives. So in my office, oh. there's a faith bank and it's full of stories. I love that. I might steal that. You should. That's brilliant. So I love your focus too on remembering what God has done. And mm-hmm. then on the flip side of that, why do you think it's important to dream mm. and like look forward? Good. Well, I'll say, let me ask, I'll throw up with a fun little question. When do we dream, like the literal dream? When do we dream? When we're when asleep. When we are, yes. When we actually take the time to rest, right? Mm. That makes sense. That's the connection. So right when you said the word dream, my, my immediate check in my own spirit was, ooh, am I rested enough to even have margin to dream? Because if not, mm-hmm. dreaming is going to feel impossible. and It's going to feel like another task. Yep. Um, in addition to the other tasks I have on my plate, which the tasks are the reason I'm not resting in the first place. So it's going to be hard for people listening in to even get to the place of dreaming if they don't have margin in their life to rest. Mm-hmm. So weirdly, your question didn't lead me to an answer of the question. It brought me to a completely different question, which is this. Listeners, do you have a priority of rest in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably about two months ago, my family finally started Sabbathing, not because it's must happen, Um, You know, there's all these different beliefs and denominational beliefs on Sabbath and the New Testament. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't go into that. But it's a really beautiful rhythm for my family. So Mm -hmm. another rhythm for my family is uh, I turned off notifications on my cell phone. Nice. That's a big one. So I need to probably get back to your original question, Jessica. No, you you go anywhere. Oh, you guys are so kind. This is so fun. But we love it when we, the spirit takes over and we yeah. just go to new places. And listeners, Absolutely. just so you know, the reason I'm feeling compelled to do that is because at the beginning, Tia prayed that. Mm. So pay attention to your prayers mm-hmm. because that was the whole thing was that we wouldn't just answer questions in this podcast. Like I know how to answer questions, but I'd be present with exactly where God has me. And this is where these are yeah. all going. So it's so funny. The minute you bring up something like dreaming, the natural uh, response to me is... Ooh, I haven't, I haven't, or have had time to dream or rest. Mm. But I would say the other. Uh, what was your original question? I kind of want to get back at it, but now why I'm, is it important to dream? Why is it important to dream? Ooh. Yeah, 
Um, well, here, that, that story comes to mind. There's a really cool organization that I work with. And what they do is it's a summer camp for high school students, but it's a little different. I worked at summer camps with like the fun recreation, all that. And I love camping ministry, but I also love that it's a partnership with the church because when you go to camp up in the mountains, fruit can't grow on top of mountains. They only grow on the valleys, which just happens with church. That partnership really works. But at the same time, people can hear from God on the mountaintops. So it's really good. Camping ministry is beautiful. Okay, back to the story. <laughs> camping ministry. Uh, this one camp in particular does it different though. What they do is they set it up more like a um, professional boardroom and each of the high school like freshmen kind of walk in and they're expecting camp. And then there's these like these long tables with black uh, drapes over them. And then they each of them have like a fancy binder. They stay in a hotel. And so it's just this like totally, they flip everything on its head when it comes to summer I love camp. that. Like, we want to invite you into adulthood. So that's like the th- one of the themes. And what uh, I was talking to the guy who started the organization. I said, Hey, tell me about like, you know, why agenda going this direction or tell me about, and he specifically, the reason your question made me think of this is why is it important to dream? Cause in the very first, they do it for four years and each year they do progressively different things. I said, why is there a dream sequence? Like they actually take time to dream. He goes, because it's a lost art. And I said, tell me mm-hmm. about that. He says, when I go to uh, developing countries and preach and create space for students to dream, they just keep writing. They just keep writing. The students like, like they just won't stop. You have to cut them off. He goes, I always have to cut them off. He goes, but in North America, they stop after three minutes. We've stopped dreaming. And I believe the reason is because we're so anxious. So when it comes to futuristic mm-hmm. thoughts, we're thinking the worst case scenario and then playing our mind down there, not giving our friends the benefit of the doubts. So then we play out the scenario that could happen, the worst case scenario, or maybe the best case scenario, but our mind, when it comes to the future, there's not a trust in God and him holding the plans and those plans really being for good, not believing that the plans he has do have a hope and a future, which by the way, are separate and distinct, but also connected. And so when it comes to the future, we'd rather just turn on Netflix and stop thinking about the future. So we have no margin to dream because we'd rather ignore the things Mm -hmm. that come to mind, specifically at night. If you're a 20 something, Mm -hmm. 30 something, and you have a hard time sleeping at night, Mm -hmm. um, when you're tired and you haven't created good, healthy rhythms of rest and your mind goes down those, no wonder Netflix is winning. Because of course, I'd rather just turn off. I'd rather jump to my phone and get distracted. Yet I hear the title of your podcast about being collected and focused. Mm-hmm. We need to be collected, focused, to have a purpose, to know all these words that you were all discussing today because that enables us to be able to dream. But what we have to realize is the reasons we haven't. And I wonder for someone listening if the reason they haven't dreamed about what could be an envisioned future that God's might be doing. And again, by waiting on him, I think the reason we don't might be a lack of rest. I think Mm. the reason we don't is because we're allowing anxiety to win Mm -hmm. and we're not learning how to conform our minds. What is it? Romans 12. Uh, Therefore, I urge you brothers and if you guys wish to have living sacrifice, holy, pleasing God, the spiritual act. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You just saw mm. how I memorized. That was weird. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> we were just <laughs> like, okay, you'll oh, get there. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Ezekiel 14. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, so, I... So- I it's yeah. interesting that you that you mentioned the developing world because as soon as you started talking about capacity for dreaming and that rest is kind of like the key to unlocking our ability to dream and think about the future, it's so interesting because I've almost had the opposite observation. Oh, but 
where I work in Kenya is like <clears throat> the poorest of the poor out in the bush. It's not like in Nairobi in the city or anything. It's like, yeah. you know, more tribal areas. And I remember when I first started, I just wanted the answer. I really wanted to understand like, what is the key to solving poverty? Like, what is it going to, what's it going to take to inject Christ into this and make it all better because I was young and naive and I had no worldview before I started working in Kenya. So that was a little abrupt. Mm -hmm. But um, what I noticed was that when you're in survival mode Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to get to the next moment, you're just trying to get to the next meal, to the next school fee, to the next whatever, and there's there's never enough for for any of it and you're scrambling and you're surviving. Mm it's very difficult to think about the future mm. because you have to live for right now, which both can breed faith because you, you must have faith in those moments. Yeah. You know, and so Christianity does thrive where, where people have been introduced to Christ because they, they do have great faith. I think the yeah. supernatural is very visible because of that. But also, um, if Jesus is not, part of the thinking, it's very hopeless. And I figured out like, I mean, hope is the answer. That's so kitschy and cliche, but Mm -hmm. you literally, if you cannot come to a place of hope, which we know that Christ is our only hope, that it is, it's impossible to think about the future. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know, it has been interesting to me to think about that in a different way because you're right now I more work with teens than I do. I worked with with um, younger kids and, and adult women before, but now I'm focused more with teens with mm-hmm. Flourish Kenya. And they, you're right. Something about that age group, maybe because they've been more introduced to education, processing mm-hmm. live here with you, mm-hmm. um, and they've been exposed to more, maybe they do have more hope and capacity yeah, absolutely. for dreaming. In fact, or I wonder if when it comes to dreaming, like you and I, like us three, when we think about dreaming, our dreams incorporate like a business we start or some radical Mm. big thing that would impact thousands or millions where dreams in other countries may not be so, for me at least, I can only speak for myself, they may not be as self-focused as my dreams. Mm. True. Even I remember reading a book once that said, why is it hard to read the Bible as an American? And it mm. said, because we can resonate a lot more with Babylon than with the Jewish people. So true. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. that's why it's hard. It's it's hard to understand where someone who's understood survival can read the stories very differently than I can. I have to remember, I'm Babylon. I'm Assyria. I am the superpower reading this. And it's going to be a challenge for me until I recognize and I become aware of that. Also, yeah. now that I'm listening to you talk about it, I think the people that they're putting on the programs for in other countries uh, mm-hmm. likely have their needs met at a minimum. In fact, I used to teach um, health education at a university and there was the scale of like, all right, happiness and your needs or financial mm-hmm. means. And do they rise and fall together? That was the big question that we answered one of the classes. And it was, they do rise together up until basic needs. Then it mm-hmm. flattens out. Mm-hmm. So as, so here comes my needs being, so as, as long as my needs are being met, my happiness comes, connects, connects, connects. Suddenly when my needs are met, no matter if, so even if I start making more money past that, my, my happiness level completely balances out. So there's that sweet wow. spot of going, I have everything I need, right? but that's a place to dream is going, cause it's not my need that I need to dream about, but it's my 
dream of how God might want to use me in the life of someone else. It's kind of like uh, my friend of mine and I were studying love and abundant life and love and how do you really experience it? And if perfect love casts out fear, why are we so fearful? And her response was so profound. She had a newborn baby and she said, I got it. One morning I said, how'd you get it? She goes, I didn't sleep. I'm like, well, how'd you discover perfect love casts out fear? She goes, I was feeding my daughter at 3 a.m. And I realized for years and years, I thought the perfect love is something I needed to receive. She goes, so I kept going, if I'm fearful, I must need to receive more love, receive more love. So then I was looking for my friends to give it to me, for God to give it to me, for people to give it to me. And she said, but God is love. And what does God do with his love? Mm. He gives it away. Mm. Perfect love casts out fear. Maybe less about me receiving love and more about me giving it away. Dang. (sighs) Dang. (laughs) Wow. He's got like a so if someone is living, if someone's living in anxiety and in fear mm-hmm. and hasn't dreamed in forever, you're not crazy. You fit right in with right. our American culture, but there's hope. And if you're looking to find it, who do we look to? God is our example. Of course, God is love. And the best thing that he does with that love, he gives it away. Yeah. And so I think if we're looking to have fear casted out, anxiety casted out, I wonder if the starting point is not looking to be loved, but trusting that you already are enough to him yeah. wanting to overflow that love through you. And I feel like that probably ushers in some contentment where we might be mm-hmm. struggling to find it. Mm-hmm. What's that? You're perking up there. Oh, I'm Talk just perking up. Contentment. Oh, I, I feel like a crazy person right now. I studied Philippians 4. I promise I'm typically not that person. It's like, <laughs> well, it's so funny you said that because yesterday I was studying the whole Bible and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I just and I actually can run through every verse in the whole Bible to find the one that we need right now. If you need oh, me to yeah, I got you. Don't worry. I'm a little, yeah. <laughs> no, I just studied contentment for a sermon that I gave a month ago, and it was the most frustrating sermon I've prepared mm. in years. Wow, years. Usually, I can like figure out my timetable and I can write my sermon in a certain amount of time. I'm thinking about it throughout the day and allowing God to like speak in different ways and whatever. But the contentment talk was frustrating. That's hilarious. To try to- figure out the what irony is really oh, good there. Oh, I was all about, I was understanding the irony. I was even frustrated with Paul, the way he writes about it, where he's twice in two <laughs> verses goes, I know the secret to contentment. Thanks, it's Paul. Like five-year-old. Like, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. I have a secret. You want to know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know the secret. Do you know it? So too bad. And then it does, <laughs> he does give it away, but it's not as direct as I had hoped he would, but he took me on a journey and turns out the journey was the secret. Yeah. Um, the journey to who I found in the, in the, I won't, I feel like I don't want to give it away, but it's so good. The contentment <laughs> piece. But okay. Here's what I'll say. I'll give, I'll give us, I'll give a piece of it. The person who I knew was most content. I said, okay, tell me, how are you content? Like he, this guy lives content. I said, tell me how it is. And he goes, to be content. I'm like getting ready with my notes. Like, what is, what's the secret? What's the secret? I didn't know the secret. And he said, to think about what you deserve. Mm. And so what I did is I made a list of everything I thought I deserved that I didn't have. And I made a second <laughs> list of everything I had that I didn't deserve. Mm. Two different lists. So the things I had that I didn't deserve, I started going. And it was like a, felt like Thanksgiving dinner in a quiet time. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Being so thankful. But the second one was what really got me. Contentment is found in realizing what do I not have that I thought I deserved? I couldn't put anything on the list. And then I went back to the person. I said, okay, so nothing's on that list. He's like, exactly. And when you realize what you deserve, 
It's like, it's weird because our American culture tells us you deserve a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I know what I deserve. I that deserve I don't help. have. And there's, it's not a positive <laughs> word. It's not right. like bringing up. And then he said, um, and so the way I look at everything else on the other list, it's icing. And I said, mm-hmm. whoa. And then he's actually a healthcare professional. And I said, and you can't live on icing, can you? He goes, no. And then it made me realize in the beginning of Paul's talk on contentment, he starts with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Then he goes into that one thing where he talk. It's the most highlighted verses in the entire e-Kindle Bible is what happens in <laughs> Philippians 4, where he does the whole thing about like, don't be anxious, but in, but in, uh, what is it? But in every, uh, with Praying. Thanksgiving, that one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, don't be anxious, but basically pray, give it to God. And um, the God of peace will guard your mind. Guard your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yep. Sorry. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with that one. With the peace of the Holy Holodex. Spirit. There yes. is, mm. uh, but then right after that, he goes, so rejoice in the Lord. And here's how I've rejoiced. And then he talks about the secret to contentment. So basically the reason we can rejoice and here was my struggle and contentment is I realized I was finding my contentment in the things like my family. And this is where I was struggling writing the message because I knew the contentment was found in Jesus. Yet I would sit at the dinner table and we'd be playing really peaceful music. And both of my boys were being good eaters and we we're having a really thoughtful conversation. I'm like, but I feel content right now and it has nothing to do with Jesus. What do you do with that? Mm. I wanted to understand it so bad. And that yeah. was part of the frustration, but here's what I found. <clears throat> it's icing and it's meant to be enjoyed, but you can't yeah. live on it. If you seek to find contentment in a spouse, that spouse will be demolished under savior-like expectations. Yep. He will shatter under savior-like expectations. <clears throat> but I love that Paul in the same section of scripture says, rejoice in it. Mm. Be grateful for it and enjoy it. Because while we can't live on it, icing is meant to be enjoyed. Mm. So I feel like even leaving this podcast today, all of us going, hey, you got a lot around you that you don't deserve. Go embrace it. Go enjoy it. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Getting a little choked up. <clears throat> <clears throat> embrace it and enjoy it. Don't try to find contentment in it, but because you already are content, you have everything you need in Christ, then turn to the icing and enjoy it. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. I There was a, a season in my life— and it was probably shortly after I started working in Kenya. Um, it's funny, I don't actually talk about Kenya very often anymore, but, <laughs> but it's coming up a lot. Um, I felt very guilty about the icing. I think I was almost like, um, like ashamed of the icing that I had that other people didn't have because the disparity, the disparity kind of pissed me off. You know, I didn't like that some people had a lot of icing and some people had nothing. They didn't even have bread. And, um, and so once in a while, somebody would say something to me, you know, if something good happened, they'd be like, oh, Tia, that's great. You deserve it. And I'd be like, I deserve hell. And it was very jarring and it wasn't exactly accurate. Like now I have a very different view of that actually. But, um, but when we do think about like outside of our identity in Christ, really all, all we would have to look forward Mm -hmm. to is a very sad and disappointing eternity apart from God, which is, I think, maybe the least content place we could possibly be is any space between 
between us and Jesus. Well, so Megan, um, as we kind of wrap up, because we're running out of time, what is the one thing you want to make sure our listeners hear today? It could be your life message. It could be like the heart of your new book. It could Mm -hmm. be whatever the Lord was speaking to you this morning. What's the one thing you feel like Holy Spirit is leading you to tell our listeners today? Hmm. That's a good question. And I like that you have to think about it because that means it's going to be real. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. Might as well go for it, right? Right. My mind's jumping to topic, 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 scripture, scripture, scripture. That feels like the most basic, but I feel like when I go on deep dives in scripture or any place, and then I arrive at really simple truths, I know they're the Mm -hmm. best, weirdly. It's like when you leave a message, you're like, God really loves me. And everyone's like, okay, but you're like, what'd you learn? You're like, no, no, no. God really loves me. (laughs) He really loves me. Yeah. So much so that I can stop trying to find it from everyone else, right? So the simple truth is that I would encourage every listener today to spend intimate time with the Lord. Mm. feels so simple. I think you could get to the end of this podcast and this could be another thing you check off or more things you could talk about that could be clever or profound or you could try to impress people or you could do a lot of different things with this. But if I could say one thing and get away with him for yourself, Mm. like one of the greatest counterfeits to bearing fruit is pretense. I think we can get so good at doing all the right things, yet not experiencing true, real power and bearing fruit that is eternal. And I just, I feel like the God, the invitation from the Lord is like, you can get away with me. The promise is for you. It's not through someone else for you. It's for you, Jeremiah 29, 13. If you open up your word today, Seek to find who God is because who he was then is who he is today and who he can be and will be in the future. It's a promise and he'll be found by you. And when you find him, you'll have everything you need. Perfect. Megan, thank you so much for being with us today. It's an honor. You are a beautiful human being. And we are so grateful that you were able to spend some time with us. Oh, thanks. It's been a good conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. I feel like I could talk to you for days. Agreed. (laughs) All right, take care. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing... Does your face hurt from smiling? Yes. And there were so many times where I just felt myself getting really choked up too of like, oh, I needed to hear that. I needed that reminder. Yeah. Like so many things she said, it's like, I I know those scriptures. I I know that in my mind, but my heart needed the reminder. Yes. And I feel like I've said this, if I've said it once, I've said it like 20 times on this podcast where I feel like I've again been avoiding time with the Lord and I don't know so why I do it. And it's like, I I don't feel like I'm running from anything specific, but I just feel like I do anything, like I'll do my laundry instead of my quiet time. Or, you know, it's like I'd rather empty the dishwasher and do laundry and send emails and just stay busy. I don't know what I'm avoiding. 
Which is hilarious because then you know, like you know as soon as you stop Mm -hmm. that it's like the greatest delight and the best possible decision you could have made. And why do we, but I mean, it's the same thing with so many things that are good with us, are good for us, like choosing healthy food or getting off your butt and going and exercising or whatever these good decisions, making, you know, saving money. Yeah. It feels so good when we're intentional and we do the things that we know will make us better, will cultivate a life of intention and glory to the Lord. So yeah, you're not alone. Mm. I mean, I think we all go through those phases of kind of neglecting certain areas of our life. And in fact, I, if if anybody's interested, I have a, um, a soul care inventory that I can send you. If you want to just email me, hello at tmcnelly.com, I'll be happy to, to reply, hit reply and send that to you. And it's just essentially a list of prompts for you to go through on your own time, at your own pace. You definitely can't do it in one sitting. There's like 90 plus prompts, but they're divided by heart, mind, body, spirit to help you look at each aspect of your being and how you interact with the world around you and and recognize maybe where you're soaring and you're doing really great um, mm-hmm. and in the places where you really need to get real with yourself about how you could do better. And so if you are interested in using that tool, just shoot me an email and I'll send it to you. I love that. I have that inventory and it's amazing. So definitely email Tia and take advantage of this free offer she's giving you. While you're at it, please, please, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe. Um, All of those things are really, really important to us and ways that you can support us without um, having to make any financial commitments, but it still makes a huge impact. And if you do have a little extra money each month, you'd love to throw our way, um, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the collected podcast. There's a link in our show notes and any amount you can give, um, starting with $1 a month and up from there is a huge blessing to our ministry and keeps the zoom lights on. Yes, that is so true. It takes about $850 a month just for our tech just to keep our tech up and running. Um, Whether that's the website or the different services that we use, um, our podcast host, our our sound engineer, there's so many things that just, um, just in order to bring you the content that that we do, it's about $850 a month. And so um, we would so, so appreciate anybody who wants to partner with us on that monthly basis, like Jess said, um, because we do this for you. And so if you believe in it and it serves you, we sure would love the financial love. So we appreciate you guys and we will meet you back here in two weeks. Yes. Have a great day. Enjoy the icing. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is recorded and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Alon.